We're back, the Whiskey Hue, a podcast from three brown startup enthusiasts that pull back the curtain on business, culture, and side pieces. <laughs> Not that right. Talking about emerging media, e-games, cannabis, without the bullshit, and most importantly, over whiskey. America calls Clyde Black, Athul Brown, and Anthony somewhere in the confusing ass middle. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> With three Going brothers. on. <laughs> Various shades of brown, bringing you the latest in tech, business, and startups mixed with a ton of sarcasm. Cue the music. Bum, bum, bum. Oh, man. Uh, here we go. Oh, oh. I didn't. I wasn't ready, man. Let's. We need some keep paying auto tune on that shit. <laughs> <laughs> what? In the- <laughs> back to you, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, we're excited for our episode today, and we're going to be um, kicking off with a special treat. But before we jump into that, I just want to check in, fellas. What's been going on? What's new? Besides Kanye, of course. Come on. <laughs> we got. We got. You uh, got to save him. Gotta save yeah, I, I gotta, gotta save, save anybody. Anybody. I don't wanna save anybody. Okay. Look at this. He's, I'm here for myself. kanye has got a lot of money. Okay. So he can say, I gotta save my, I gotta save myself. All I know, I'm ready for team DMX. I'm team DMX for oh, tonight's versus hot. battle. This people after, by the time people hear this is going to be a week after it. But yeah. I'm, I'm going DMX because DMX has the portfolio of, of hit songs, not verses, hit songs. Boom. I don't know. There were there were life anthems from Snoop too, man. So I'm gonna what? go. I want to ride with Snoop. I'm gonna ride with Gin and Juice. Gin and Rough Juice. Rough Riders man. anthem done. No, that's done. that's not. That's hot. I agree. Done. I agree. I'm done. just gonna. I'm just going to be counter. You know. <laughs> I'm gonna be your Joe Biden, Trump. <laughs> uh, what do you think? I'm gonna give an official intro. What, Clyde? What do you think, Jelani? What do you think? Oh, uh, before, before you just just drop this random name. <laughs> people, I'm gonna give like, him an official. I'll give him an official intro, man. Like, look, people, man. people are like, "That's a fourth host." What? What happened? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Don't say Jelani. No, I said I'm gonna give him a proper intro, man. Nobody yeah, is. Like, no. We have a special guest today, Jelani. Uh, he was gonna give him uh, a proper intro, but. Welcome. Welcome. What up? I'm not. I don't need anything proper, so that's perfect. Uh, I'll, give you, I'll give you. When we when we start to get, you know, when we normalize the conversation, we'll, we'll give it to you. I thought normalized. it was going to be August Alcina. Normalized. Normalized. <laughs> normalized. There's nothing. There's nothing. Now, there's nothing. There's the first. There's nothing normal about this. Okay, so there's nothing normal. We can't exactly. Exactly. Right. <laughs> it's an entanglement. All right. We figured this out. <laughs> oh, man. man, he did that whole Rick Ross verse. Like, man, you yeah. not, he should not be anyone's side piece. Man, <laughs> that dude will not. Keep secrets. Yeah. I, I respect. I respect it. It's a troll move. Rick <laughs> Ross, like, oh, man, we came in there too. Thing on the track, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna blow this up. It's like all right. So, you like, so what, what do you think? Well, I will do the proper intro in a minute. But so like I thought, you know, we're talking about the first thing tonight. But like, don't you think I want to see? I think August Alcina's music, some of it's hot. I love it because I, I like R&B, right? I'm the one of the, of the other three, at least, uh, that loves R&B. Yes, yes, you are. So him versus Trey Songs, that'd be kind of dope, like a current, somewhat current. Want, Trey Songs no, is way bigger. No, 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 I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You know what? Skip that. I want to do no, old school versus Trey Songs. So I want to go Tevin Campbell versus right, old. Tevin Campbell. That. That'd be hot. Be this is what you got. Kevin Campbell, I remember. You got me. August Alcina, I'll be honest. I'll, I'll, yeah, I don't remember who this dude was. I yeah. couldn't pick him out of a lineup, really, except I saw like on the background of like the Vivo, or whatever, or one of the uh, YouTube, the video with Rose. I was like, oh, that's what he looks like. But that's no, yeah. like, dude, I don't really, I don't, I could not name one of his tracks. I didn't know. Oh, that. come on. Then he had the one with Nicki Minaj. She goes, this is my favorite track. I'm serious. <laughs> she, she's rapping that <laughs> up in my. She, it was hot. She's, he's got three tracks that are coming. Bangers out there. I just, you know, I, don't, I don't know. Like I, said, I know Tevin Campbell. I can put more Tevin Campbell. Tevin Campbell. Campbell so I can. So, so you're like, you're like, you're on your own ship right now. I'm in the hip hop. I'm in hip hop. It's like 50-50. It's like maybe well, it's about 60-40 for me. Hip hop. No, 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 I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying like your, 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 your in-depth knowledge of August Alcina. Okay, <laughs> that's that's why you're on your ship are in you the middle right? of the Pacific right? by yourself. <laughs> Sinking, sinking, man, sinking. <laughs> like, like you brought out Tevin Campbell. Like, cool. Like, let's you talk should, about let's, let's no, talk no, about no, this guy. No, that's cool. Let's go. You want to bring up Keith Sweat and all that? Cool. Let's hey, do this. But, I hit him up on Twitter. Like August Alcina. I was like, I was like, he's a grown man talking about how he's in love. Whiskey here. We're kicking off today, and we're gonna have another cut. Class, class, enough of this nonsense. Today, before we dive deep. 
want to introduce the whiskey of the day, which was actually selected by our special guest, Delaney. So uh, go ahead, tell us about tell us about the whiskey. So Ardbeg Nugadale is my it's probably my favorite. Ah, that's how you said it. Yeah, yeah, okay. probably one of my favorite scotches of uh, scotch whiskeys of all time. I first had it actually in Edinburgh. I was there doing the scotch whiskey experience, which is fucking, fucking, it's dope. It's fucking dope. fancy. Everyone, yo, this is the dopest shit. You go in there, and it's pretty much the largest collection of scotch in the world. And at the end of the tour, you just have a taste test, and you can just basically taste anything in there. And it tells you, like, these are highlands, these are lowland, lowland, highland whiskeys. And then there's, like, two of them. Not Ardbeg isn't one of them, but at the time when I was there, Ardbeg had won, like, three years in a row. The Yugadale had won the taste test. But there was, like, two of them that didn't even know where they were from. Like, some guy just brings us these, and they're from – we don't know if they're Lowland Island, but they're – That U-shaped table, right? That U-shaped table, right? Remember? And, and did, did you keep that card where you get to smell and it smells – the scotches I drink don't smell anything like that because that smell really good. But did you keep the card? No, I didn't. I, was, uh, I kept it for, like, a month, and I said, you know, I got to – this got to go. Yeah. <laughs> so, it was like a scratch and sniff card. Say the name of the uh, whiskey again just so the whiskey is going Ardbeg, you know, you can get it. It's actually not too like highly uh, priced. It's like a decent price point. You usually get it for like sixty to seventies, which is great for like a really good whiskey. And it's uh, like, I don't know, I don't know where you're buying this thing at. I don't know where you're buying. It. Okay, because I saw it. minimum dollar minimum is seventy nine ninety nine <laughs> with, with tax eighty four dollars. Okay, <laughs> don't lower the price. I'm, I, okay, our, our listeners are very our listeners are very sophisticated and they got cash, so. Try to make people comfortable with buying it. I get it. I get it. They're gonna pick it up, get to the get to the register, like, oh it's not the whiskey Hugh said it was gonna be sixty dollars. It's eighty two. It is eighty three. Right, now I know how you feel. Now I know how you feel, Clyde. We're gonna do some light insider trading here. You know one last thing about that whiskey experience. So that entire collection was owned by some Brazilian guy at one point, right? And then he said, you know what? This belongs with some billionaire. That entire thing, that glass where they have all the glass, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, In like billion bottles. And he's like, you know what? This should this sits properly in Scotland, <laughs> the birthplace of scotch. So let me give it. So he sold it or he donated that. So it became that museum and that whole thing. It was a beautiful experience, man. Beautiful. I, I loved it. It's great. That's crazy. I did not know that he donated. Wow, that guy's yeah. I was like, man, mm. I'm a fool for that. But he's the man. Also, like, I, I there's some stuff in there. I was like, what? I didn't yeah, even know. That's that. Like, that's, yeah. a, that's a good donation. That's probably one of the better donations I've actually heard. Yeah, I'm like, no, I won't. <laughs> exactly. So, that's a to break uh, so ladies and gentlemen, we uh, we're going to be sipping that today, and uh, we're going to be giving it a good try. I actually went out and bought it, uh, so I'm going to be sipping slow. I will say I have an opinion already. So, before we kick off, I want to. I to uh, take some time and introduce our guest. All right. So you've heard his name about a thousand times, right? It's like a Jason Derulo song that we don't tell him. We're going to tell him who he is. But let me tell you who he is properly right now. Jason Derulo. We need to go back to hip hop. We need to go back to hip hop. Okay? <laughs> He drops his name at the beginning of each track, but then you don't really know any other reference. You're like, this is the first track I heard of you. Why are you dropping your name already? <laughs> anyway, so Jelani Roy, born and bred New Yorker. All right. Went to UW, Madison, on a full ride. Smart dude. All right. Um, oh, and didn't become a Packers fan, which is good. So I feel like this. Guy. All right. After that, went to sport. Uh, he worked at sports law department. All right. You're going to, you're going to clean this up after I've been in your, I've been in your scotch deep New York law firm, Dewey Ballantine LLP. Then he went back and it's going to get loud, Clive. It's going to get loud. He went to Temple University. Go, go owls. Yeah. Go owls. <laughs> I'll just wait go for that. Owls. Easily school. To you. Clive, clean this up. All right. And then, then he was an associate at the New York law firm, Dewey and LaBeouf. If I'm saying that right, uh, to work with sports lawyer Jeffrey Kelsler, the outside counsel for NFLPA and the MBPA, who helped bring free agency to the NFL. All right. So then you went up to Rich Rich now. Okay. So, however, he immediately <laughs> stuck out and he did his own thing and he worked at several sports agencies and mostly representing NFL players. And this man, so he sounds rich, rich, right? He also starred on The Amazing Race. Uh, he in one of the what season was that? Season 26. Wow. Okay. That's 26 season? I know, weird. right? <laughs> that was like, how long ago? That was a while ago too, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was okay. five years ago. Yeah, we're in the 30s now. I know that. 
So Jelani is a cool ass dude. So he's he's smart. He's rich, uh, ladies. So just you know, eligible bachelors. Let's take for the ladies. <laughs> August now Cena's in your closet right now. He's like, hey, what? <laughs> I won't tell. There you will. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so I met Jelani. Actually, we, uh, it, we met. So Eric Schmidt introduces right desire desire list right. Is he yeah, the one? Eric, yeah. Eric. So we met with them, and then we hooked up for like uh, it was him, me, you, and your boy from the athletic. We were having oh yeah Dan Cap that night. Yeah, or did, not? or did we have beer? We had beer. We had beer. We did not. We were talking about whiskey and scotch, and I was like, "Okay, that's it." And they were like, "All right, where what, what was that place? They had a ton of scotch on tap too." Right? Barbecue place on like like in Hell's Kitchen. I'm trying to remember the name of it. It's kind of dope though. It was a good yeah, time. Yeah, we didn't have scotches there. I don't know why. We just stuck with the beers. I think we were trying to be like somewhat professional. You know, it was like early on. You're filling out. It's like you don't go on a first date. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, All right, let's get it. Let's get a couple beers and we'll see. Right. Like, oh, I can get paid with this guy. Right. Good time. Did we talk so many times afterwards? So he's a New Yorker, but you, you have your Vikings fan. So give us that because you got Clyde over here. He's a Pistons. I'm sorry, not a Pistons fan. I'm just finding out. Lions fan. I'm a Bears. Over here, we got Niners. A Niners fan. So why did you become a Vikings fan? Super random. So, like, my cousins are from Minnesota. They were close to family. And the first, like, game, they invited me out to the game. It was a Vikings game. They had season tickets. And they got me one of these Anthony Carter starting lineup figures. Um, and I was like, boom. I was like, oh, so this was – I was, like, five years old, eight years old. So this is, like, I first started, like, a football. Awesome. So then I was That's like, oh, right. cool. And I just kind of stuck with them from that. And I was all that. And then, you know – Obviously, the yeah. from Wade, Wade Wade Wilson to Randall Cunningham to got Colbert for all those guys, and obviously it was a big Moss man. But it really all started with Anthony Carter. So. Nice, nice, <laughs> nice. Oh, that so was, that was my. Why don't you clean up the intro, Clyde? Because uh, he's the one that he makes it all polished. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we get space. So, Jelani, you know we're excited to have you. Um, Atul told, told us a lot about you and your impact in sports and just being in. Uh, in line with you know the NFL representing players, uh, viewing to the NBA. So you know we just want to pick your brain, let our listeners know about your thoughts around not only the current state of sports, NFL, NBA, but then also how that's impact from a cultural perspective and thinking about um, you know how it impacts our listeners who are black and brown, which is you know our point of view as the whiskey hue. We give the black and brown perspective of, of all, on all things uh, business, tech, and culture. Uh, sports is definitely a big cultural movement. So, you know, that's what we want to uh, get from you today. But before we do that, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, what's your why? How did you get here? Oh, crazy. So it's super random, actually. You know, I think a lot of times things are luck, opportunity, chance, and just being in the right place. I got it. I think we went over my intro sports earlier. I actually got one of being my first job working at the law firm was my it was one of my best friends from high school, from middle school and high school. His dad. Is, was the guy we talk about Jeffrey Chester who was a sports attorney. So he kind of told us when we were younger, he was like, how do you get it? We were like, why are you working with sports? Like, you know, he was like when the the first big like labor negotiation, when the strike was going on mm-hmm. uh, back in the day, Pat Ewing and Herb Williams um, were like the, you know, heads of the PA and stuff like that. So we're like, why are they with like Kessler's dad? Who you ever seen him was not an athletic looking guy. <laughs> but it's like, all right, this guy is like, he's like, hey, I'm all athletes. And we get in the car and the car is like, it's pulled back to like, um, you know, for a seven footer. And it's like, oh, wow, this is like crazy. Is it? So it's like, hey, I'm, I'm she's like, attorney with sports law. You know, I do union labor, labor law, and I trust law. And that's kind of how he got into the profession. It's like, okay, wow, this is like, this is a kind of entryway into it. So anyway, fast forward to a to, uh, uh, college. And then I, I, that's how I kind of got into it originally. And then he was like, hey, this is, it could be a profession. You know, you have to get involved. Obviously, you have to go through law school. You have to go through the whole process. But this is the process that kind of a lot of people involved in sports are attorneys or it's really labor law. People say sports law, but there really isn't a sports law. What sports law really is, it's a division of larger pieces of law, which is mostly antitrust law, employment law, and particularly with professional sports in this country, union law, labor law, uh, stuff like that. So that's kind of how I got into it. And then, you know, while being at the firm, you know, I'm not, uh, I don't know, people can't see us right now, but I'm making a t-shirt right now, like chilling, like I'm not like a corporate type dude. <laughs> so, you know, being, and this is like a very, you know, the law firm that I started at, I started originally as a paralegal working on the 2006 collective bargaining agreements for the NBA and NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's actually like, you know, so we were dressed up every day, all that. I would go to the negotiations. I'm just like, doing the grunt work, basically carrying the, you know, the binders and all that stuff and like taking notes. But it was cool because I got to learn because basically whatever they would 
argue over a piece of the, the collective bargaining agreement. It was my job to write down and see where they got agreements. So I'm writing down the collective bargaining agreement as it's being formed. So I'm like learning about it. That's why it's like, all right, this is, yeah, this is cool. Like, you know, I'm, I'm really involved in the process as much as I can be. Uh, and I'm not <laughs> making the deal points, but I'm learning what's going on and where the trade offs are and all that stuff. So then. Fast forward, and I went to uh, after that was after I left Wisconsin, and then fast forward, I go to law school at Temple, uh, Broad Street Bullies, the Philadelphia. Which I, I have mixed feelings. Owls, yeah, go out. I love it. I love Temple. Love the Owls. Love like all my cheese eggs. Love little known Scrapple. Scrapple is like the best thing to come out of Philly, which people don't know about because it's only in Philly. Scrapple, you, you, you can keep your Scrapple, okay? Yeah, okay. Scrapple is amazing. Okay, okay from Jersey, we, get, we do we do Taylor Ham, okay? <laughs> okay. Explain, Jersey, explain. Jersey, Jersey, we do Taylor Ham, okay? <laughs> Scrapples, as I learned about this a lot, so basically, it's just like, it's like the cheapest, worst parts of like whatever the pig, and it's just scraped all over like a loaf, and they fry it, and it's like a basically like a fried patty that you can have like for breakfast, you can have like pancakes. That's chitlins, all right? That's chitlins, right? Nah, chitlins are just... Yeah. This is like, like all left over. It's like it's like it's kind of like it's kind of like spam. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Okay. It's like spam. It's kind of like it's kind of like spam. But that's that's why that's why you cross the cross the Delaware and you go to Jersey. You get tell get Taylor Ham. Okay, yeah. upgrade your life. Okay. <laughs> Like I said, I told you, I was leading this out. I'm low brown. I love the low brown. Yeah. Scrapple. yeah, that's awesome. You scrapple and pancakes. Look, that's what I would eat like almost every day of law school. Nice, <laughs> nice. Uh, so, yeah, I went to Temple Law School and I came back, and that's when I was like, it was actually after the recession, you had a chance, you know, take off a year or do your own, get like a third of your salary, go away, do your things. So I was like, oh, hey, maybe I can do something on my own. But I know a little bit about sports at this point. Uh, so I started trying to represent guys individually, mostly international guys, like soccer and basketball guys. Yeah. That's a grind. That was really uh, tough. And then I went back, did a startup brief for a little while, for a little while actually, and they was, sold a startup. Um, and then I was like, all right, let me get back to full time to the agency. And I got to, uh, uh, I was like, let me focus on what sport I know best. Just from, like you said, we're a Vikings fan. Like I played football growing up in high school. I tried playing college. Uh, so I just was like, let me go to football. And I knew the collective bargaining agreement really well. And then that's when I really got started going, representing football players and different agencies. And I originally, I went to an agency actually with a buddy of mine who went to college. What's funny enough, like we, one of his earlier clients was one of the guys we were all friends with in college. And that's kind of how he got into it. Because uh, Wisconsin, we had a really good football team at the time. Yeah. It's like, you know, my freshman year, we were, we actually football, good at football basketball. We went to the Rose Bowl and the Final Four. My freshman Damn. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dane won the Heisman Trophy and broke. Ron Dane the days, yeah. yeah. So we that's were, a beautiful campus too. That's a beautiful uh, UW Madison. So fuck, it's like one. Let's let's be real. Let's be real clear. Now, so my brother went to Ohio State. So uh, I'm, it, 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 in essence, I'm, I'm an Ohio State football fan. Uh, now, uh, so there, there, I forgot what year it was it was. We went out to Wisconsin go to to go to a football game. Let me tell you something. I don't know if you guys study anything because okay? <laughs> no. no. that school is nothing but a party campus. <laughs> Good Lord. Good Lord. <laughs> there is a party everywhere you want to turn. I don't I don't know what's going on at that school time. No, it's just that go. It's funny you say that. It was actually like I was I was talking with my mom about this like last week because we were talking about our my cousins, the same cousins this goes full circle who invited me to the uh, football game. Um, uh, in, in Minnesota with the Vikings fans. And they came out the, they my cousin, she was on the Minnesota uh, volleyball team. Uh, so they came out to a game uh, sophomore year uh, for her, not the football game, the volleyball game, but it would happen to be Halloween weekend, which I don't know if you have Halloween in Madison. is like, like Madison's already complete. It's like chaos. Psycho. Yeah. Psycho. Yeah, psycho. psycho. Yeah. And Halloween is like next, next level. Like I got pepper sprayed one year. Like my buddy got, they find a tear gas caster hit him in the stomach, then fell beneath him and exploded underneath him. So he had a welt from the tear gas cast. Oh. And then he had to it, it, inhale all the gas coming out from him. So it was like, that's like a typical, it was like a typical Halloween. One day my buddy was in jail. He got arrested after Halloween. They're like, what, why are you in here? He's like, the guy's in there. He's like, I, go, I was punching a horse. My buddy goes, you deserve to be in here. <laughs> that's the Midwest, baby. That's what we do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. So that is nuts. So anyway, my cousins from Minnesota, they're like, you know, they're very nice. There are people, they come and they, like, she's like, oh, hey, come to the game, come to the game. And they're like, oh, really? oh, we'll drop you off at your place. And like, they literally, they were scared to drop me off. They're like, are you going to be okay? This looks like, <laughs> <laughs> it looks like, 
it looks like, like death. I'm like, I'm kind of psyched. Like you guys are like, I don't really want to be at this game. I want to be out while I'm out. Bam. Like I'm being that crew that you're like looking at right now. Like, oh, these kids are trouble. I'm gonna be with those kids. I'm like, do me. You're like, you're like, you're like, you're like, you're like a billboard for the University of Wisconsin right now. Nice. How I got into it, but then my so my buddy from Wisconsin, he uh, was a super athlete. He started and he represented, you know, one of his bigger clients. Actually, a little, I know, know you got no one here, unfortunately, is Packers fan. Uh, which is before I joined the firm, was Jermichael Finley. Oh, he's one of the founding members of uh, Institute for Athletes. I got that's a pretty good Jermichael Finley stories that we're not going to be able to tell on this podcast, but that's for the seasides. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Tucked away. Michael's actually a great guy. And when one of the, the, really the founding principles, like I said, he was one of the founding clients of the company. Uh, one of the founding principles, he was, I don't know if you guys followed his career, but he actually had a career ending back uh, injury. Yep. And one of the things is one of the big reasons why we got a lot of crews because we we're really focused on like protecting guys early on in the career and also for post career. And right before he signed his, so he he signed the uh, the franchise tag um, after we were disputed. It was actually again this was before I joined the company, but there was dispute over whether or not he was a wide receiver or a tight end. So it was one of the first cases where you had to decide. They were trying to say that he was a tight end because it's a lower franchise tag. They were saying, well, he lines up split out as a wide receiver. So they argued back and forth, went to arbitration, settled on a number in the middle. And then before the season started, it's like, listen, man, like we don't, you're playing on the tag uh, just in case, you know, you need to have some sort of disability insurance, which is something that really every NFL player should have. And you'll be surprised how very few do. Um, and then he, fortunately he got it and signed it. And these things, I mean, they're not foolproof. Sometimes they don't pay out, but anyway, he got it, signed the franchise tag and then got the, the disability insurance and then <clears throat> literally injured from that season. Uh, mm-hmm. Never played again. Fortunately, the insurance paid out two years later, but it paid out. But for, between the tag and that, you know, he's he left the game with twenty four million in the bank just from that, just from the tag year and a fourteen million dollars disability insurance policy. Wow. So yeah, so it was a you know it's weird. It was a sad story, but it wound up being actually a success story because the goal, you know, as much as we all love football, the goal is also to have it to better your life. You know, it's a tool. Sure. To be a, sure. Uh, and you know, right now he's chilling down, coaching down in Texas, back home in Texas. You know, has a great life. I saw him at the Super Bowl two years ago. We had a party in Minneapolis for Super Bowl. Uh, this is when I was still at Institute for Athletes, uh, which is actually this is we can talk about this party. It's like the dopest party. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Jermichael was there having a great time. I was like, yeah, all right, hell yeah. It was like uh, this is when so Jamie Fox wound up throwing cheeseburgers at us in the crowd. So we had to host it. Jamie Fox <laughs> was hosting. So this is one of the funnier jokes. Right? Jamie Fox was hosting our party because uh, one of our clients at the time was Adam Thielen. Uh, so and the Vikings were just missed the playoffs that year. Uh, but missed the Super Bowl that year. It was like they lost the Eagles and the Eagles won the. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So we're like, so we had mm-hmm. so Fortunately, the teams are, there's not a lot of agencies. The headquarters for the agencies in Minneapolis. There's not a lot of big agencies in Minneapolis since the Super Bowl is there, which will never will be again because it was freezing. <laughs> They're like, all right, hell, you guys can do like a party. So we had feeling come in the morning with uh, Samantha Ponder and Jerome Bettis, you know, do a whole panel. And then we're like, oh, we had actually a host for the later party, and that was Jamie Foxx, and we had Shaq DJ. Uh, oh, and, <laughs> yeah, this was lit. But they're like, mm. I know all the clients, and all the clients wanted to come. Even other people's clients, like, yeah, we're coming to that. So no one really wanted to come in the morning session. And I said, and I was like, yeah, we're, we're there. We're, we're back. I want the party, man. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. But this dude, this dude has some. Like you, you told me about the All Star one. We were trying to do one, and then you had your All Star one this weekend. I was trying to get back, I couldn't, and then the <laughs> Corona thing hit, right? Uh, so you, you went back for it, and it was Chicago too. So yeah. we were gonna do, we were gonna do a thing, but it just didn't happen. But yeah, he's got some good stories. Right. <laughs> we'll do it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Then I ended up with, I guess I said, remember, we had, so McDonald's was one of the McDonald's, Casper, and American Airlines were the main sponsors of the parties, and it wound up Jimmy Fox is on the stage with Shaq, like doing the Willard Demon thing, throwing cheeseburgers in the crowd. I'm like, yeah, you can do it up there. <laughs> I never assumed there'd be a scene where Shaq could be throwing food away from him. I just did. <laughs> If you want to talk about you want to talk about a professional athlete after reach reach retirement living his best life, it has to be Shaquille O'Neal. Oh yeah, he's dope, man. He's dope. Like he he was smart about what he wanted to do. He got he, he got his degree. He paid attention to finances. He knew how to open franchises. Invested in he invested in Google back in the day, right? Yeah, yep. one of the early cats. Yeah, like he 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 you know he was focused, 
And now he's out here living. He's got generational wealth. Oh yeah, yeah. right. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And 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 he and he was smart about it. And I you know I, I kudos. Uh, even when I'm watching NBA uh, on TNT and those guys go at it. It's entertaining as hell. First thing, him and Charles Barkley are entertaining as hell. I don't know what the hell Charles Barkley is saying anymore. right? I'm like, yeah. I don't know what's going on, but he he is somebody I think should get a little bit more credit out here when it comes down uh, to how to transition, doing a proper transition yeah. from playing to having his finances and business mm. focus post career. A hundred percent. That's like Jalen Rose. I think always says that. You know, there's like winning, winning the champions, with it, and there's winning the game of life. And your man yeah. Shaq, both. He won the championships, but he really won the game of life. Like, like, yeah. like he's paid. He got everything set. Like you said, he has multiple revenue streams and venues for his talents. Like you know, whether it be TV. Where, I mean, Shazam was a terrible movie, but I was horrible. the first album. Horrible movie. That first album was dope. Not that bad. Yo. It wasn't really like, <laughs> like, like that was a bad. He's not going to be on Versus anytime soon. Is that what you saying? <laughs> <laughs> Can't stop the rain with Biggie is actually a fire track. Can't no. stop the rain is not that. Yeah. That's and a, then he's with the Fushnikin too. He had the food that one. Fushnikin, wow, that was a dope ass track. Wow, he he'll lose a versus battle, but like at least he could be present for one. Like he could he'd be, be, he'd be, right. be funny as hell. He'd be funny as hell. All right, Clyde's gonna he's gonna wrap us in. He's gonna bring I, us I, in. I was, I was just about to text Clyde. Clyde, get us under control because we're gonna go down a path that we can't return. <laughs> That's for the B side. Save for the B. We're gonna keep you for the B side. So you know, yeah, don't worry. No, so but yeah, so thank you for thank you for that brief introduction. I'm sure you got a million of those examples and um. And uh, you know, we want to hear it like sprinkled in throughout our conversation. But you know, to kick everything off, you know, we're like I mentioned earlier, we're a show about black and brown people understanding the business, tech, and culture side. So um, you know, I'll kick it off. Kick off the first question for you. Just uh, thinking about you know, you've been on the agency side, represented players, um, and you're a lawyer. Um, so you know, I think about immediately what comes to mind for me as a someone who doesn't know anything besides what I see on TV, I think about the whole change of the game and how they tried to institute, institute the Rich Paul rule. Uh, mm-hmm. give, me some, give me some insight and perspective from, from yourself because I think about it from uh, you know, young black and brown boys and girls who are trying to get into the game who may not want to go to college, but ha- they have the game to come in and represent players or know a lot of players because I grew up with a lot of basketball players and, you know, people have relationships and, and build those. So what, what's your perspective on the Rich Paul rule and as someone who's, you know, did the work, you know, grinded hard, became a lawyer, you know, did everything he needed to do to see uh, other people in the space competing, not necessarily specifically Rich Paul, but just kind of how that rule is put in place. Cool. Uh, I think there's probably two things I'll address with that. One of them you just touched on, the Rich Paul rule. That that rule, like they call it the Rich Paul rule because, you know, he's the type of guy, but it won't really apply to Rich Paul. Rich Paul, none of the guys that rule was put in places are guys Rich Paul is going after. Rich Paul with the LeBron, I mean, <clears throat> with the LeBron connection, basically, you know, Eric Bledsoe type of that, he's not going after fringe guys. They don't even, like most large basketball agencies don't do this. They don't recruit fringe guys. It's not worth the investment. And, and it's, for me, we're a smaller agency, and football is a little bit different because of the, the pool of players. So you're more taking more like lottery tickets. With basketball, like Rich Paul, he, he's only going after guys who are either definitely declaring or or after they've already done a year, it seems like these guys are top 10 prospects. He's not going after guys who are wavering uh, or, or even really consider, going to college considering, you know, coming back or something like that. Like he's going, he's getting guys. Rich Paul doesn't have problems getting meetings, put it like that. That's the best way to put it. Um, and he, he, he'll get a meeting. He can meet with anyone. That rule is to prevent the next Rich Paul, really, which is what kind of what you were saying. Mm-hmm. And I, again, because you really, you look at the numbers of statistically wise, you know, most first of all, even though most players, obviously African American, black around from even even a lot of the white players in basketball, especially basketball, are European. Uh, most of the agents aren't. Most of the agents are American uh, white guys. That's just how it is. One of my best friends is actually one of the a great basketball agent, and when I just it's uh, he's a white guy I grew up with, and that's just the demographics of the agency business. And what that what that rule, the part of that is because of the barriers of entry. Some of them are legit, some of them are artificial, in my opinion. And we talked about my background. You know, I knew that I, I almost had to be credentialed in order to get into it because you know it might not take a young African American man coming in to uh, to represent you. You know, at the time for basketball, actually, you didn't need to be uh, attorney. 
And it wasn't actually a pass when I first started. Uh, the, the, it was more you have to full pass a background check and all that stuff. Now there's a, a MBA PA. The unions control the, the registration of the agencies. And now the MBA PA, there's a test. NFL, there was always a test since I was around, since basically 2006, really. Um, and it was always, and then it was always, you had to have either a business degree or a law or a law degree uh, to get into it, to get in that way for the NFL. But NBA is a little different. And they, they're doing that, like you said, previously to kind of restrict, uh, again, I think it's an artificial barrier to restrict who has access to representing players because, and, I, and it, whether it's uh, implicit or explicit, it, it, what's going to do is going to wind up eliminating the, uh, the part, people of color who can be, who will enter the field just because of that, not having that educational mm-hmm. background that access to that educational background. And I don't think it's really necessary. Like there's guys who I know who are great attorneys who are not necessarily great agents. Uh, there's guys who are, are great agents who aren't attorneys who I know. Uh, my old business partner Institute for Athletes was an attorney. He's aging, he's a great agent. Um, so it, I don't think there is overlap in the skill set and there is over and there is need for some, I guess, reg, regulation and have, you know, meet certain requirements as far as ethical and as far as having the background and maybe, and maybe education requirements. But I don't think that rules are necessarily the best way to implement it. Well, you know, you can have you can you can you can have it be like just a standard background check. You could have it be, um, you know, maybe maybe it's the test of the of the CBA, which is like with the NFL it has NBA. Uh, just if you if you if you understand the CBA, the which is the collective bargaining agreement, I'm using an abbreviation for it, which are the rules that govern all the contracts and the language the agreement between the unions and the leagues. Then what, what what does it matter what your education background is? It's the same way if you if you can code and you're a great coder. I don't care what you went to comp side one thirty at you know I'm at. If you're if you're a good coder, you're a good coder, and you know how to code, you know how to use Python, then you do it. It's the same way. So if you if you really want to make sure that they have their the best interests of the kids involved, then you have to just like I said, have them test them on the CBA. That's fine. I understand that. You want to make sure they know uh, what the rules are that govern the contracts, and then you know maybe a standard background check. You know to make sure they're not you know embezzlers or fraud. That's fine. <laughs> anything else, you know, it's kind of like I said, those are artificial barriers to entry, and what it does is it eliminates qualified people or people who have the the aptitude and ability for it. I think you should always want to cast. That's the whole point of diversity is casting as wide a net as possible. You don't want to shrink out of the net. And that's what these rules do. But that's my beef with the rich Paul. So just a, just a touch base on that, but I, I, I like what you said there because, you know, I know, I know, I know Clyde and the fool I'm a fan, but I'm a fan of this guy, Scott Galloway. And what he made a good point about um, college being college being a, 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 it's not it's not that you are academically prepared or anything of that nature that you it's a certification process. Right. And that's just set, showing the world that you can meet certain certain, I guess, barriers to entry. If that's a, so but and, and that's what college does for you. And that's also a lot of a lot you know, either either graduate school as well. But um, you see Google right now. They don't care. If you're going, if you want to be a coder or a developer, et cetera, yeah. if you had a, have a college degree, they now set up a whole whole new system where you could take certain classes to become a project manager, IT professional, and they don't need you to go to college. They don't see that process. So there's something to be said to what you're, you know, definitely something to be said to what you're saying. Like you don't need to go to law school to understand a contract. You can hire people. There's so many people in business that I've worked with who have no, who are doing deals on a regular basis, have no idea how to read contracts and understand them properly. But you can hire somebody to review and make sure make sure they meet certain obligations that you want met. So that that is something to be said to what you're what you're what you're stating is just it is it is a barrier to entry that not is not necessarily needed and could open the door to a lot of other uh, potential agents. Do you? Do we dig into the agent side, right? And then are we so? Hey, NCAA used to be the pool, the talent pool. Generally, and some cats skip it, right? We know some Good great NCAA. I like great. NCAA, yeah, that's that's my arch nemesis. So <laughs> I just want to ask you. So, like the G League just last night announced the unionizing, right? So that's so the players and the that's great, right? That's great. So then, what's the what will be the year? Because it used to be a year you had to stay in college with the with the NCAA. Now is it going to be what's is it going to be similar? Walk us through that a little bit. Yeah, so uh, and there's I'll get into a couple things with that because actually, so one of the cases when I was back at Dewey we worked on was the Maurice Claret case. Um, oh, he, really? He, yeah. To try to, um, uh, I'm getting comfortable here. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we also wrote and uh, we appealed the rules to be able to enter the NFL draft early, and he won. 
uh, and then he he lost an appeal, uh, sorry, which was actually predicted because again there's certain rules about labor law. This is a labor law rule, really. When you're when your parties are enter in a union and a, you know the the corporation enter into a collective bargaining agreement, they're given wide latitude to make rules to excluding membership and making what's needed for membership regulations and what requirements are. So as unfair as it is, it's almost like one of these things where the union sells out players who aren't currently members of the union. You know, you're not going to protect the kid in college who's not in your union. You're protecting the kids, people who are already in your union, which is, you know, a problem. And there's nothing that we could dive into, but I'm going to focus on this um, for a second. So anyway, that was the rule. And the NCAA always says, well, that's a, that's an NFL rule. That's NBA rule. We don't make that rule. They're liars. I'm going to tell you a lot of liars. Mm-hmm. They wrote an amicus brief to support the rule. So don't tell us it's their rule. If, you, if you're going to write a, amicus briefs are completely voluntary yeah. when corporations mm-hmm. or companies who agree with position that's being litigated, write a brief voluntarily to the court and send it in in support of whatever position. So they wrote a amicus brief supporting the rule of the, the age limit rule for NFL. So whenever they say that stuff, oh, well, that's not our rule. You're, I mean, you're just, you're lying. Yeah, it's not your rule. That's true. But you support it. <laughs> and, you, and you actually went about in the litigation process to file support for it. And that's on record. <clears throat> so really, the, the NCAA and the league and the union to a certain degree are all in bed together with those rules. So anyway, this, the current rule with the NBA is that you need one year removed from your high school class. So it's not really necessarily college. You yeah. can't declare for the draft until you're a year removed from whenever you were graduating from your gra- your high school class. It doesn't even necessarily mean when you graduated. So there's mm-hmm. some there's some wiggle room with that that some guys got around where if you're doing maybe you're doing a postgraduate year somewhere else, probably like that, you can do that and then come on. It really has to do with where you would have matriculated in theory. Um, but now with the G League, you can enter the G League right away now, which is the rule. And now the G League salaries are commiserate with where, where it's now. It's a real it's it's a you know you can make real money, whereas before the G League salaries you know you're making twenty thirty grand a year. The offer basically you're getting from the universities above or or under the table are going to be yeah. uh, you know going to be better. And it's funny I think Amin El Sin with ESPN he said it perfectly. What time ago? So like, these new rules it's like well now you have to match the offer sheet basically. That's yeah. Like, so now it's like, listen you go you gotta go to I'm, I'm random school but the Texas Duke whatever. Like, it's like well now the salaries G League is two fifty five hundred. So you want to match that? You know, are you all on the table? So yeah, you give the scholarship, but like, are you going to match that through a booster or whatever? And that's the question now. And it gives, first of all, anything that gives the players, these young guys who are, are being completely robbed of some of their best earning years, uh, more leverage, I'm for. So this gives them a little bit more leverage and it, and it forces, that's why you see a lot of these things the NCAA is now doing, the lobbying they're doing now about the name, image, and likeness uh, rules because they're really trying to get it. They want an antitrust exemption. Uh, which hopefully they don't get. Uh, and then uh, you know, the antitrust exemption allows them basically a lot of this stuff without antitrust exemptions, a lot of the stuff that these sports leagues and in particular, and now the NCAA and it out, it are illegal. They violate antitrust law. You can't make, you can't, what's called, um, there's the, the restraints of trade. You can't make restraints of trade, uh, basically rules uh, collectively as, a, as a, using your monopoly or monosophy power. Because you can't, if you're if you're competitors, you can't all get together and say, "Hey, we're going to make this rule." That's there's different. There's called there's uh, horizontal and vertical restraints. Uh, but anyway, you can't make those rules collectively to pre- prevent people. So you're allowed to, for make for example, make the rules about, "Hey, all games must be played on a hundred yard field in football, or or, or or you know hoops have to be ten feet high." Those are rules for the play of the game. You're allowed to do this when you get when they get to the territory of like, "Hey." The, the salary cap and that nature, the stuff of that nature, well, that you can only make because you, you, you make your collective bargaining agreement, you're bargaining with the union, and they have to allow you to do those. So a lot of these have MLB is a different story. They're a grandfather yeah. antitrust exemption, but they're all the rest of these leagues have limited antitrust exemptions for you know rules about playing the game. And then to get around the other ones, they have to negotiate with the unions. The NCAA, because there's no players union for college players, um, they don't have that, so they're what they're doing. That's why they're being sued right now. And actually, my old boss is one of the people suing them right now. Oh uh, no! Yeah, you know, for one of, for one of the other cases. So you pick up one of the things you touched on, um, which is around control, right? So right now, you're seeing a lot of players, NFL, NBA, who are taking a lot of control and ownership of you know their businesses. Um, people like LeBron, uh, Carmelo. Um, on the NFL side, you got people who are like Russell Wilson. All who have, you know, media companies on the side doing major deals and really taking a real ownership stake in their businesses. Business in the days of a 
player just being a, a um, uh, what is it called? The right word is um, just being an endorser are gone. Yeah. Away. In your perspective, players are brand now. Yeah, the players are brand. They're a fortune, you know, fortune level company. You know, people like LeBron who are doing billion dollars in business, making investments. How do you see that impacting the way that you know the players are coming up? Not only the people who are in the game today, but the people who are coming, you know, four to five years down the line. Because now they know that I'm not going to be in a situation where three and a half, four years, I'm going to be broke after I get done playing, playing in the league. Um, how, how is that like changing? And what are you seeing from your professional perspective of the, the knowledge of the players coming up? Awesome. Cool. I'm, I'm going to just split, divide that into three different categories just because I think it's relevant. Here, one of them is uh, with NBA. NBA players, they're, they're in control. I mean, that's just, that's just where, where it is right now. I'm actually, it's great for that. Um, and it's just, they, again, they are the brand. LeBron is the brand. KD is the brand. They, they're really, they're driving the ship and they have a lot of, they, they, they've realized they have a lot of power and they're wielding that power. Uh, and again, they're, they're deciding who they partner. There, you know, it used to be you, like you were saying, the endorsements. Well, you pick, they, they pick, they pick someone who are like, Hey, uh, Nike or whatever, maybe pick someone who they want to endorse their product. And now it's more the players are shopping. Hey, which do I want to be, do I want to align myself with Under Armour or Nike or Adidas? They're picking really. They're saying, like, what's my, in, what's my image about? And you saw that even when Under Armour, when the CEO of Under Armour got in a little uh, hot order, I think for, you know, he was a Trump supporter or something like that. And Steph Curry, where he said something, I can't remember what it was. And Steph Curry was like, Hey, hold on. This isn't my, uh, and he had to backtrack it real quick. Right. The CEO had to answer their Steph Curry because you're, you're atta- he's attaching you to his brand. You're, you're Under Armour. Yeah. You're, you're attached to Steph Curry. You're getting the Steph Curry goodwill, not yeah. the other way around. And that's kind of where it's flipped with basketball, and it's all the way through. And you see that the power that LeBron wields with Nike, and 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 that you just see. It. And it's particular. It's very that really aspect is very particular to basketball more so than any other sports. Uh, the basketball players again, part of that is the nature of the game. Your your face less players, down. less players too, right on exactly. the team. Exactly, less players. So there's there's there is I was talking about to someone we were talking about the CBA uh, I was talking about someone might have been Dan Kaplan actually or someone else I can't remember about the nature of the, the CBA negotiations and we we're like hey there's more since the last CBA in football there have been more players to play in the NFL than have ever played in the NBA ever it's in the history of the NBA so just with that ten year time period there's been more players who've gone in and out of the NFL than have ever played in the NBA the NBA is just smaller. You know, you only have about 400 guys in the league at a time. Uh, you know, the turnover is a little bit less. Uh, the average career is longer. So it just it's easier because there's less there's less players. It's easier for them to really, you know, solidify around themselves around around a message. And they just you know, so they have more power because of that. When was that turning point that that happened? So like you know, even Kobe and this was they didn't have that kind of power yet. LeBron does obviously. When did it happen in there that the NBA from the administrative office side, the executive side, hey man, we got to give them more power. Otherwise, this is not going to run the way it used to be run. I, no, I, it wasn't. This is and this is uh, it's going to be because a lot of people he gets a lot of flack for this. And, and this is why, again, and I, I'm, we'll get this later. I love LeBron, um, but I don't think he's the best player of all time. But Boom, you don't. Oh, I'm sorry. We'll talk about that. Later. <laughs> a lot was shaped around the, the, the decision LeBron did. This was I mean, if you really want to talk about the player empowerment side of that. This was LeBron stuff. A little bit, you can actually say a little bit with Jordan when he did the one the one year deals towards the end of his career, and he realized that. But that wasn't really that wasn't it. Again, Jordan didn't. You know, he he, he got paid shit his entire career, right? Yeah. <laughs> Until so, the last two years. Yeah, exactly. So that he did that. Really, you know, he's, it was more just getting balloon payments at that point for him than anything. It really was LeBron with a decision where it's like you're courting me. You know, uh, like I'm I'm holding interviews. You know, they, the Knicks. Ever wheeled in Donnie Walsh apparently <laughs> on, a, on a wheelchair, which is classic. I'm a Knicks fan, unfortunately, a classic bad move. But it was really him. It was that was really the change. He kind of set the narrative. He 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 really put that going. And then other guys realized, oh, this dude can get it right. You know, even if it wasn't executed right, exactly the decision. Although I think for the most part it was. I just the only thing I think it was the production value was a little clunky. Uh, yeah. But when you're breaking someone's heart, there's no good way to do it. So it's gonna be it's gonna be clunky anyway. Right. But um. Yeah, I think that that was. I think that's really when things changed. It was that was that was the moment where everyone was like, "Hey, we're in charge of this, and we can be in charge of this." And other guys were saying, "Well, he's doing it this way. He got all his boys to represent him. You know, he he, he let them learn on the roof. originally. I think he was rep by Aaron Goodwin, all this guy. He learned a little bit, let them do their thing. They went yeah. to the CAA umbrella, and then he's like, "All right, we're gonna go do our own thing." They learned what they need to learn to do. It's like we can we can drive the boat, 
and okay. and everyone else kind of jumped onto that plan. You know, so one of the things that you touched on earlier when we talked about the CBA, so the NFL's is over is up in the next year, right? I think it's uh 2021, 2022, something like that. Well, they they unfortunately they unfortunately they just No, no, no. They extend they 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 renegotiated an extra ten years out. It was going to be up after this season. Ah, okay. Because one of the things that I want to, I, I kind of want to touch on, regardless, is the insight of gambling. Gambling into collective bargain agreement. How there's a revenue share from e gaming, um, and all this now, especially when we talk about NCAA and the individual players having their own rights. How does this new? Because these are now massive revenue streams. Fantasy sports is a massive revenue stream for the leagues. And then you got the app, you got e gaming coming up too, right? So how does that play into the you know when it comes down to revenue streams for the athletes? Because I'm just gonna be you know I think we are all here. All I care is about the players. Yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't I don't like when people talk about ah, he should he didn't need to take that much. No, he needs to take that much. That's that's that's, 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 that's life changing money. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> hundred <laughs> so, uh, this is this is actually that's crazy it's, it's like this is a super cutting edge topic um and you're not gonna the answer i can give you on this is not complete because it's not complete this is uh this is one of the flaws i think with some of the union negotiations as of late i don't know if you guys are following but gene upshaw who was back uh when i was working under the outside council he was in charge of it and he unfortunately passed away early yeah. they had a change in um leadership of the union was Demary Smith, who, you know, in my opinion, a lot of other people's opinions made some missteps. Uh, so they didn't really address this well in the CBA. And this is something that myself, some other agents, just people around the game of football have talked about it. They kind of yada, yada, yada this in the last negotiations. Wow. They got the owners and say, hey, we're going to have a split on, you know, the, the e-gaming, the, the gambling, but we're, we have, we're not sure what it will be, but we'll make it equitable. That's pretty much where we are with it. Seriously, seriously like, wow. believe it or not, you know, you're building our negotiation and it's not very clear. They have the overall revenue split, you know, which is going to be close to, you know, supposed to be close to around the 48 to 50 percent. It's a, it's a band. It's a range. It could be. Um, but with, with the split on the gambling and what constitutes, which is really the key. And this is a lot of the CBA negotiations with the NBA. They call it BRI, BRI basketball related income, which yeah. is a one thing they, de- they deem to be profits derived from basketball. The NFL, they don't, there's no real name for it. It's just a list of categories they put in the CBA that these qualify uh, for football-related revenue. And that's what the split actually counts. So the split isn't really the overall split necessarily of all money the ownerships take in from uh, you know their sport. It's kind of what is deemed to be relevant to that particular sport. So that's another – that is one issue that comes up with CBAs a lot. And that's part of what you're saying right here is, is, is well, the gambling thing, yes, that's part of it. But what exactly – all the gambling revenue constitutes football-related income, basically, which is how the term we'll use. That wasn't clear in the new CBA. It's not clear. It still isn't clear. They didn't well define it well in the, in the fine print, and right. it's, going be, it's going to be an issue. That's going to, well, well, so, going to be an issue. Yeah, so I, 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 I hearken back to my yesteryear uh, when I was on content distribution and when the iPad came out in television, right, and we were doing distribution deals with the cable operators on the programmer side. iPad came out, and they could put content on your iPad destroyed the whole industry, right? No way. Yeah. They had clauses in the contracts. They said, hey, yeah, this technology that you can try it on, but then the iPad comes out and people are like, well, well, no, it's not like that. It's not like this. But it, and it sounds like this is what we're going down because we know there's gambling. It's here. And there's states, you, you know, are, we, we, were to- we talked about a couple episodes ago about gambling and what states are ratifying allowing it. But if you're not, if, if I'm constantly, if I'm, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I know that's the fool's favorite quarterback. <laughs> and, and if I'm constantly, you know, like a part of me wants to know, like, how does that broken out? If I'm constantly put on fantasy football teams, shouldn't I get a little bit extra money? Than Ooh, that's the dangerous, though, man. Joe. It, it's just, I, I, then you're going to be playing for your personal stats the entire well, time. That's but, dangerous. But so, but it's, isn't that what they're going down anyway? Right where people people have I've I've lost certain levels of fandom when it comes down to NFL because, because of fantasy sports. People don't care about their teams nine times, and they care more about their personal fantasy football team than they do about their team that they like. Mama so didn't raise I'm, you right. I'm, I've, yep, true. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, listen, I'll be real. I'm a Niners fan. I jumped on the bandwagon in the late '80s, early '90s. Own it, fuck it, whatever. I don't care, and I'm still a fan. <laughs> so. 
But uh, that's cool. if, right if, if 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 you're if you're if you're now like oh okay listen I like Russell Westbrook I like Greg Olson because now he's on the Seattle Seahawks and I'm, he's now the number one tight end or Patrick Mahomes who's arguably he's a number he's 99 rated on Madden shouldn't I get a little bit something extra It's a dangerous pass that's scary but yeah. it is what it is it, it, yeah I think it's tough so I think you should. There needs to be a way to monetize it. And it's funny. We can do this on the B side. So my friend's dad actually invented fancy sports. So what I've been. What a, the, wait, what? What the? Yeah. What kind what? of Richie Rich? This is high school. I'm going to be your school. August Alcina. God damn it. It was a 30 for 30. Yeah, this is, it sounds crazy, right? It's crazy that I say this. It was a 30 for 30. They did it with a little, little league. of like Matthew Barry from ESPN did it. It was a, about Dan Okrit. Dan Okrit, my son Giles. You I, mentioned oh, this, man. You mentioned this in one of our – because we've had he, we've had some awesome co- – okay, you mentioned this. Now I get it. So it's he, a whiskey, man. He played in fantasy sports, and he made almost no dollars off of it. Yep. And it was super, oh. So this is actually uh, – this is uh, I've given this some a little bit of thought because – the problem was that they did is they, they rented it at a rotisserie chicken place. That's why it's called rotisserie. Uh, you know, when you have the, when you have the different categories for baseball, it was fancy baseball was the first one. And rotisserie, we had the column. They invented actually uh, whip, walks, hits over innings pitch. That wasn't a stat until fancy sports. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And they weren't able to monetize it because what they trademarked was rotisserie baseball actually and not that. <laughs> and then you can't, it's hard to, there's a lot of rules around like data and pure raw numbers and it's like intellectual property law. Uh, and there's people who are better than that than myself, but it's you basically there's a it's a Motorola case, whatever it is. You can't really, and the leagues can't really own that uh, particular data. There's a and I, I the technical uh, legal aspects around it are tough, and I, I'm not I could I have to brush up on it to really get, get into the weeds on it for you. But it's hard to monetize it that way, and it was one of the problems they had as fantasy sports being able to monetize the, the, guy, the creators of fantasy sports. I uh, do it like Dan O'Brien. It was a bunch of the other friends. Um, so the same problem, the same problem will happen for individual players. Basically, can you monetize your individual stats? And then does that get dangerous for guy? You know, if he puts a whole bunch of money, even though guys for now make too much money for the most part, for really for it to be worth it uh, for some of them. Obviously, that's outside some big bots, but it's also can you really own the data? So should you be paying for that? You don't own your stats. Your stats. Well, it's, so stats, stats from understanding, there is a level of it of your st- stats that are public data, right? And that's like the newsworthy side of it, right? Yeah. But there are the stats that have been created out of nowhere <laughs> that that are legal, right? So do 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 the fantasy league or sites have to get? Do they have to license with the leagues to yeah. use their? They have to use the names. Is it licensing with the yeah. names, or is it with something else? No, as well. So licensing, you license with the unions uh, and the leagues for the names and for the team, you know, team affiliations, all that stuff, and the, and they do that, and you know, they pay the license for that. There, a lot the leagues, some of the so. There's proprietary stats where they, which are a lot of teams have. The overall leagues mostly are just trading in, in public stats that are available. The leagues want those stats. Ah. So there are certain teams, especially in basketball and football, who have proprietary stats that you'll never get your hands on. Yeah. Uh, I can't, you know, and teams, the same way they, I, I, being an agent around draft time, all these teams, every team just lies to you. It's just a fact. And the same thing, even harder than that would be, like, hey, what do you actually think of this player? What are the stats telling you? Because a lot of things, more so in basketball, they're more better with the advanced uh, analytics. But football now, too, is getting them. And you're, a lot of the, the proprietary stats are owned by individual teams, and they're not going to share that with anyone. And you're not going to do that. So the stuff that generated to tell, to tell the team, to tell the Kansas City Chiefs how really effective Pat Mahomes is and how much he's worth, the guy, their GM is like Brett Veach, decides that, you're not going to, they'll never share that with you. No, they're, they're like stats, like even for the NFL, so like, hey, this is how many passes he throws from between this mark and that mark, how accurate they are, all that kind of nonsense. Accurate, but even with, but now with the, what they have, the player tracking data, they'll be accurate within this zone uh, at this level on the field in this coverage. Uh, and then with certain players against like, I've heard it from scouts and stuff like that with granular as far as certain players up to height. So if there's guys, if you're, if you're, oh man, a larger secondary, now he throws in this, throws the deep pass to that level with a larger secondary player, yeah, as opposed to a smaller secondary player. I was the head of biz dev at this company, Clickable TV, for a while because they were trying to preload data and then into some things. So you're like, hey, Peyton Manning, fourth quarter, what, what does he typically do when it's third and 11 with three minutes left in the third quarter? We had, you preload the data and you could click on it and do that. And then you can actually purchase jerseys and all that. It was just too early. It was like, 12, 12 years ago and wow. how it's kind of happening. So, but that dude, Roger Rue, shout out to that cat. He's my guy. So, um, he, he's a good dude. I want to, let's talk about ownership. I want to get into that because I like the investing. And we're going to talk about Kevin Garnett getting into your hood and eventually. Yeah. I love that. I love it because right. he's, he's like a Jordan. He defense, 
he just thugged out, right? <laughs> he's played, he played that hard ass great defense actor, too. Great actor as well. Great actor. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I just saw Chris Bosch in a TV show with my kids, and that was that was horrific. But you know, <laughs> I think I think he sprained his ankle. Whatever. <laughs> no, it was a kids show, man. I don't even get into what it's a Disney thing because Disney. We're about anyway. So I'm gonna get it. Ownership. We're getting black and brown owners. It's it's coming up. We got Michael Jordan. He became one. Robert Johnson owner before him. Right. Uh, flip it to NFL. Shahid Khan. You've got Kim Pagula just became co-owner of the Buffalo Bills. Right. Uh, I think Korean. I'm just, I think she's. Uh, or, I, I should check that. Flip it back to NBA. Uh, Chumat Paliabatia, who we brought up, part owner of the Warriors. You know, you got Vivek Ranadive. You see it happening, right? What you've been in some of these meetings, what are they, what's it like? So when new faces are showing up, I knew when it was like with me coming into the investment community, because a lot of people didn't look like me and they were judging me. And that's why I had to grow a beard to look older and like be whatever. What is it like with these guys? You got billionaires. Shahid Khan, the famous story about him when he walked into the 31 other NFL owners, he came in wearing a teal green suit, got that handlebar mustache with the NFL, you know, and he did that to show, show, hey, I'm here. You know, I'm, I'm ready to play. What you've been with these cats? What's it like? Yeah, it's 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 again. And I do again. You got to really divide. There's a there's a culture difference. I was talking about this with someone else. I actually tweeted about it between NBA and NFL. Uh, it's different. NFL is way more old boys club. Uh, way more just you know. Yeah. Yeah, you know, just way, way more white. <laughs> so, these are Trump's people. These are Trump's people. Like so, like they didn't want Trump in, but like Roger Goodell. Like he finally bowed down because he answers. He doesn't care about the players as much as he cares about the owners because those are the cats he answers to. Yeah, he, he finally to- had to step up and say, "Hey, it's okay to kneel." Yeah, finally. And, right. he, and he was forced, and he works for the owners, and he really works for specific owners. That's a, I think there's there's really about seven who? guys who, who have who give us three of them. Who? So you're not, it is all terrible. Cowboys, Dan Snyder, Jones, Dan Snyder, Kraft are probably the ones. Yeah. Oh, Dan Snyder. Snyder's up there. Dan Snyder's out there. Wow, I didn't know Reskin, that. Okay, Reskin, Reskin's brand. Oh, I'm sorry, the Washington NFL football team. Yeah, the Washington. You know, somebody said they're gonna be called the Washington Monuments because they ain't done shit in a while. <laughs> <laughs> that'd, that'd be kind of dope. <laughs> There's two meanings. Anyway, so okay, so I did okay, so really a couple owners, right? Uh, okay, and Kroenke is is up there now, and uh, Mara still has some influence, but really the old guard, the really old guard owners, yeah. really still have any influence left are Mara and Rooney's. Uh, okay. That's okay. about it. And the Tishes, obviously, Tishes and Marys go together. Yep, yep. Uh, but that's really. They kind of own New York. <laughs> <laughs> he's tight with them. That's why. So the ownership, you see it, you flip it up. So is it going to be the opportunity? So a lot of times there are sole owners like Jerry, our boy Dallas, right? He owned, he had money like that. Robert Kraft had money like that. Jordan came in. A consortium. Kevin Garnett's trying to do the same thing. Shai Connell had money like that. Vivek had money like that. Uh, the Lakers, the buses, they're probably like, they got the one of the, probably the best, if not one of the best known franchises in the league, but they're probably the poorest owners. From yeah. what, you know, they're, they're not billionaires per se. Uh, so wh- is it going to be that kind of like investment? Cause are they open to that? Because it's, it's, because you saw North Carolina, what happened down there, right? When that ownership changed. That was three, four years ago, right? Jerry, yeah. Uh, like the Me Too thing happened. Yeah. Well, Jerry, I got some good Jerry stories. I got, so I, I'll, I'll tell you, Jerry was always a good old boy. Um, one of our clients at the time who was, who liked Jerry. Uh, I'm not going to say the client's name, but uh, ah, do boy. it. Come on, tell player. me his name. Oh, you're, you're lucky. You're lucky we're not in person. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we're we pouring a drink. Real on. quick, <laughs> we, we, we were together, right? With it, we were together, right? With this happening, he's, and we're like, yeah, this surprise. He's like, listen, it doesn't surprise me. Like he would say some stuff that it was like, okay, like this is what he is. He was the good old boys, but he was actually, you know, he was kind to me. He's kind of my family, so I always. Okay. Him. But like. Yeah, this isn't surprising. No, like he's like, he's one of those type of guys, and he's another guy. I mean, he's actually was the, one of the first people ever to be go from a player to an owner. In you know, all in all sports, uh, he got his money through Hardee's. It wasn't through playing, but you know, who are you talking about? Who are you talking about again? Jerry, Ray, Jerry Richardson was a player. Gotcha, of, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, Baltimore Colts. Uh, and gotcha. He, you know, he, he invested. He tried to get other guys around the team to invest, and that's when he bought a bunch of Hardee's and other stuff. And that's a so he was like, you know, it was weird because he was. They, you connect the guys on the level of being an ex-player, but he was very good old boy network. Uh, he was actually at a point before that, and even before then, he was one of the old guard who had some. He was new old guard type guys who had some influence. Gotcha. He lost it. 
But uh, yeah, so are they open to? Uh, I think it's better to be. So now the new owner is, is like a Tepper, who's uh, Dave Tepper, who's a you know hedge fund guy, investment yeah, guy. Yeah. Um, I love that guy. Yeah, he's the man. Uh, he, he actually, as far as NFL go, owners go, way more progressive. Uh, is he at the level of influence as the other guys we mentioned before? No, not in the league. It just takes some time to gain that. Um, but he's one of the richer guys. Yep. So yeah. the, and, you, and you, he's actually, I think he's probably when you when you when Kronk and when you include his wife's money, you know, you, <laughs> that Walter money. He's, I think, he's the richest. Uh, gotcha. And, uh, uh, but it was Paul Allen and Paul Allen died obviously, and it was Paul then Kronky, including you know all money, and then now would be would be Tepper. So now yeah. I get Paul's estate, um, and then then Tepper, then Cronky, then Tepper. But you know, again, remember we, the guys who are with the larger influence. These guys aren't necessarily the richest guys. It's more the with the influence, the part of that team market, and also part of them how it's developed. So Jerry is very wealthy, uh, of course. But Jerry's the kind of a guy along the lines, not the buses. The buses are maybe a little bit more cash poor, only because the NBA the margins are a little bit thinner. But Jerry's made a lot of this money from football from the business of football. Jerry's the reason why uh-huh. Jerry accumulated a lot of the wealth was more recent wealth through running his team through the Cowboys being the most profitable team. He was the reason why one of the main uh, owners behind the last uh, 2011 uh, potential lockout collective bargaining agreement where they're about to lock out. He want the main reason for that was the owners wanted the lower revenue sharing amongst other teams, the, the, the higher by owners, Washington's and Dan Snyder and Jerry Jones. So he really pushed for that. And it's not a coincidence that shortly after that, Dan and Jerry bought those mega yachts. They didn't buy those mega yachts before 2011. They bought them, uh, they bought them in 2015, 2016. He did the draft from that yacht. That's hilarious, man. <laughs> yeah. Sharing lower, they, they were able to keep more of their, more of their, yeah. their money, the, the, which meant now they're making, I mean, you the only public available data we have is the Packers data, but obviously those guys are making nine figures a year clearing easily yeah. on the yeah. bigger franchise. So that's that's where they wield a lot of that influence, and that's kind of who's driving the shit with NFL. Whereas NBA, a little bit is a more egalitarian approach. You have Silver has a little bit more actual influence. They do actually get feedback from all the different ownership groups and owner players. You have a more, you know, a more again, you, you had a couple co-owners in there. You have a more diverse group of ownership and even more widespread ownership. They have a similar rule where you have the majority owner who has owns thirty percent, but you're there's generally more shares of ownerships in NBA, and it's just more. So I think it's a little bit better uh, method. And you look at the best one of the best franchises, even though we're all NFC North guys here mostly. Uh, in, in, in the NFL, it's the team that's grandfathered in, the Green Bay Packers, who don't have a majority owner. It's a proof that you don't necessarily need a majority owner or a big body owner to you know, have as a dominant uh, We'll end on that because you can buy shares in Packers, which means diddly shit. <laughs> all right? So these dumbasses out here buying stock in Green Bay. Hey, look at me. Yeah, yeah, look at you. All right, get out of here. Clyde, clean this up. <laughs> we took a dive into our whiskey of the episode. What's the art bag? Um, tell me again. Say Arbeg Yugadale. Yugadale. I I have to say I didn't love it. Oh, <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> first time, first time right. ever. We didn't yeah. like something. <laughs> Why not? Was, what did, did you like? Too smoking? Oh, it made my eyes a little low. So you know, it was a little. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I didn't love yeah. it. Chill out. Chill out. Quick, Real talk, real talk. We we were texting, try to try to moderate the 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 you know like you know television. They have like A segment, B segment, C segment. We were like, "Yo, God, are you sleeping?" I'm like, "Yeah, wake up, wake up." No, you know what it is. You you pop a nice cube in here. You pop a cube in here, and it's dope. It's chill. It's a chill. It's it needs a chill. Yes, it's dope. But so that's that's but that's the whole thing. Like so I so when you know a fool sent us the link that this is your this is your this is your your choice. We went to pick it up. Oh. I was like, because I had, we had the odd bag. Remember, I had the odd bag all uh, black. black, right? It was like a special edition, right? Loved it. Smooth yeah, as hell. Yeah. I, I drank this. I'm like, oh, this has a punch to it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like, so, so, a fool, so a fool knows, these guys know that, and Clyde knows, I like LeFroy. Okay, Garbage. Garbage. But I like I like the punch. I like that little I like that little kick that you know puts a hair in your chest. I mean you know be a man. You know, so, so, so. It's not about being a man. It's about it's, it's about the caste system. <laughs> I'm up for echelon, right? I graduated. I don't drink before I can that bullshit. I got a job. So so it, it caught it did it did catch me off guard. It's a little bit more peaty than I expected. But but it, but you know what? It, it it catches you initially because you for me it caught me because I didn't think it was going to be peaty. 
and as peaty as I as what I'm used to. And then it caught me, but then it it just it it gives you it still has a little punch as it goes down. It continuously does. That's not like thank you. That's not worried about it. You actually hit it on. Yeah, it's like got a smoke. It's a little very peaty. That's it's got. It's got a little bit. It's, it's it's a little bit more than open. Not as sophisticated as open, like yeah. as far as laid out. But it's got like a. It's got a smokiness to it. It's yeah. peppered. What? It's why got you, a peppery why hit. Why you got me so classy? Uh, why, why you got me so classy to say it's not sophisticated? Oh, I, I, I don't know about that's 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 Jelani, you and I, Jelani, you and I have talked about Oban. That's like my go-to. Yeah. We talk about this yeah, a lot. Right? So, um, but it rounds it out because it still has vanilla and nutty flavors in it. It's still, I always sense vanilla, but there's some nuttiness to it too. I don't know if it's like what it is, but it's good. I like it. Well, well done. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, thank our special guest today, Jelani, uh, for dropping gems. Okay. Uh, catch more on the beast but uh, between then check us out on thewhiskeyhue.com uh, you can find us on all platforms for listening to the podcast and you check us out on social media make sure you rate us on the platforms as well for the podcast listening uh, thanks for listening thanks guys yeah, we got it. boom